Blog Talk Radio. Black Free Think Earth. Black Welcome to the break, beat we make heat to play street and these words Whether you in the burbs or in the hood, on the street, curb or corner Cross north the borders in your middle state Elevate your thinking to fall in line like the interstate We've been to take you on the journey like these other games Painting perfect pictures without the cellophane Pelopane with your stained with destruction And we're here with ideas for construction Critiquing critics with cynics with the lyrics To abolish demons and spirits to make the network like Linux Pivot your position, listen when we drop wisdom with the guys Man, a big I'm high enough for this whack business Weak rappers that lack structure I'm back in this Leaving half to get track structured Black free thinker Free flowing mentality You wanna see thinking Read wrote to reality What is morality? Always thoughtless and scared to wander I'm about to read A phone godless Americana With my doubt for these Apologetics from prophetic Filling empty holes with god aesthetics It's all connected It's 310-982 And 42-73 to get through So turn down your speakers Or a feedback will disrupt the show and interrupt you. Uh, uh. What's going on, ladies, gentlemen, and all others? It's your boy MC Brooks. Uh, riding solo tonight, bringing you guys another uh, great edition of the Breakbeat here on BFT Radio. Got a pretty uh, jam-packed show for you guys tonight. We're going to kind of switch up the formula a little bit, though. You know, just like I'm riding solo tonight, um going to kind of switch the for- the formula up. You know, normally we have, you know, a uh, set topic and, and um, you know, several other segments and whatnot that we usually handle before that, um, that we usually do in the first hour. Then the second hour is usually kind of reserved for, the the main subject. However, um, tonight we're gonna kind of we're gonna switch it up. Now I, I'm I'm gonna do one segment prior to the main topic, but because this main topic is kind of large and encompasses uh, so much information, I feel like more time than an hour is gonna be is, is needed to be spent on this. So because of that, definitely gonna gonna switch the the formula up. A little bit tonight. Now, in case you um, are unaware, tonight I'm going to be discussing black-on-black shaming, Um, something that's definitely come up a lot in the news in the last couple of weeks in the wake of the uh, Zimmerman verdict. Um, And it's honestly a show that I've kind of wanted to do for a long time, um, as is most of the subjects that, uh, that happened here on the breakbeat. Um, as one I've wanted to be, I've wanted to do for a while, and um, kind of address uh, a lot of things. You know, um, kind of want to want to see if there, you know, is there is there anything true, or is there any truth to the words, you know, echoed by people such as Bill Cosby, uh, Larry Elder, and most recently Don Lemon. You know, is there is there any truth to you know these things that they've been spewing out for years, or in Lemon's case, the last couple a couple of days ago? You know, is there any truth to to what they have to say, or are they you know just folks who are completely disconnected from uh, the culture or and how things run are, are run nowadays? So we're gonna jump onto that 
in the in the in a little bit. First, first things first. Um, I want to check you guys. Tell you guys definitely go check out the archives. Had a couple dope shows the last couple days. We had uh, it's okay not to believe, which Kim hosted on Sunday. Uh, part two of Randa's series on conspiracy theories on the RSS feed. That was Saturday. Uh, Hegemonic privilege took place with Alfred and Carl last Friday, and boycotts, rallies, and protests with Vita with uh, on blast by, with uh, Vita Star and their special guest host Emmeline. And I happened to, you know, I showed up for a little bit on that. It was a really phenomenal show. We had a great discussion. Thoroughly, uh, I highly encourage you guys to go back to the archives and check out not only that show, but each one of our shows and all the shows that preceded them. They're all really phenomenal shows, and they, they are all great to listen to. Um, and in addition to those shows, we have a couple shows that will be coming up. This Friday, we have the show Other Religions uh, on by uh, on the M and Evil show with uh, Emmeline and, and Mario. And on Sunday we have kind of a, a funny title, "Why Don't White Crime?" One, you know, definitely a term that you don't really hear all that often, but, but one that definitely needs to be addressed. And I'm very happy that that Kim is is going to be hosting hosting a show on this. And and hopefully, hopefully, what I can do is I can kind of use this show right now. Um, I can kind of use this show as kind of not a precursor, maybe, maybe an introduction to that, you know, um, because the topic I'll be discussing does does relate to it. It, it does it, it does it actually relates very much to white on white crime, in the sense that folks who who engage in black on black shaming oftentimes engage in talking about the problem of black on black crime without ever mentioning. The white on white crime, or the white on white crime rates, and the fact that just like most blacks are murdered by other black people, uh, other black people, the same thing happens in the white community as well. It's not, you know, it's not like there's this, this huge divide where you have the uncivilized African Americans over here doing all this crime and all this, and and over in white people land, everything is spectacular and wonderful and everyone is linking arms seeing kumbaya you know skipping down the street on a sunny day no so hopefully tonight um hopefully tonight through discussion of this subject can kind of lay some sort of groundwork or some sort of framework for uh kim's show on sunday i mean again the the topics are they're not exact but there is a relationship between them. There is definitely a relationship between them. However, as I stated before, we're gonna I'm gonna jump to that segment later. Now again, go check the archives. But before that I have two things I want to address before we get into the uh black on black uh, black on black shaming. Now um this past weekend I was in New York. Um, anyone who follows me on Facebook, Twitter, or if you happen to know me in real life, um, I, I, I've been telling you guys about an event that I was going to in New York. Um, 
July 27th, New York City, Flesh and Meadows Park. Um, this event happened. I, w- I was in New York this past weekend, and I, I just wanted to share um, my experiences with you guys and, and kind of talk a little bit about my observations. Now, um, there was an event that took place this past Saturday called The Blackout. It was hosted by... Black Atheists of America and Black Nonbelievers, and the, the head of those two organizations, Ayana Watson and Mandisa Thomas, who have been planning this event for well over a year. I mean, because they contacted me about this, I want to say sometime last year in the aftermath of the Reason Rally, and asked, you know, if I if I was interested in not only coming but participating. So that took place uh, this past Saturday in. New York City. Now, you know, this is the first time, to my knowledge, that, you know, an event like this has taken place. I'm well aware there was an African American for Humanism conference that took place in Washington, D.C., I believe two years ago. It was either two or three years ago, I believe, when that took place. Uh, I believe it was three years ago now, actually, I think about it. I'm aware that, you know, that that took place, but and unfortunately I wasn't able to attend that even though it took place here in my own city because I was still away in college at the time. But this event, you know, this is this was one that, you know, it kind of flew under the radar despite the fact that it had been announced, you know, a couple a couple months ago. And um you know, I've been talking about it and I've been mentioning it to folks because, you know, I was kind of excited that I was going to be part of something historical and, and something that was going to be um, hope that was hopefully going to lay the, the the groundwork or the foundation for for other events to take place in in future times. Um, so I went up there. Um, I went up there this past this past weekend. Um, was going to be performing with my brother, Gifted Anomaly from Grand Unified, and I we had a blast to say the least. Um, it was it was actually a very, 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 very well run event, and I was very surprised and very happy to see so many other you know black faces um, of all ages who, you know, who came out to this event because they wanted to participate in history being made. See, unlike many other folks, I I'm one of those I'm one of those um people who I believe that everything that black people do is a part of our history. I'm all inclusive. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not I don't seek to talk about black history as something that that just happened long ago and is not something that is happening currently. So this, you know, this event, along with everything that we do, is part of black history. Now, with that being said, um, I was very, very pleased to see this. Because one problem that always happens when you're a minority in uh, in a movement that is not run by your minority or by people like you is that you find, you you often find it problematic to find people who are like you. Uh I've said many times before, uh I'm an atheist. I've been one for over 10 years. 
and part of what kind of kept me disconnected from the the movement, I guess, if you will, for so long was the fact that I didn't know any other people like myself. I didn't see any other people like myself. Um, And honestly, until 2007, I was the only black atheist that I had ever come across. You know, to, to even hear that term was, you know, was kind of was kind of weird, you know. And so it was, it was. It, I never thought that you know the day would come where I would see so many other folks like myself. And so, and I said this while I was on stage on Saturday, that um, I felt relieved. And it brought it brought me a great joy to see so many other folks like myself, to see other to see other people that, like me, did not believe in God or any type of organized religion, and they were okay with it, and they are living their lives, and they are they are doing exactly as they see fit, without worrying about hell or any other type of supernatural, you know, events taking place. And I, always, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, we had a phenomenal time out there. And and the other thing that I, I took away from this event was, you know, a sense of, of solidarity. You know, we all have our disputes. We all have our, you know, our arguments. And, you know, oftentimes we don't always agree on everything. But... You know, I saw plenty of folks this past weekend who I've seen, you know, completely curse each other out, completely go for broke on each other on these here Facebook and Twitter forums. You know, but, you know, in person they're, you know, they're they're sitting next to each other. They're conversing. They're laughing. They're engaging. They're, con- you know, they're, they're connecting with each other. You know, folks that, you you know, you know that you don't agree with. And you guys are over here, you know, chucking it up like y'all are the, the best of friends. And like it was it was beautiful to see that. And that's part and and the reason I wanted to discuss this on air was because I know that you know events like that kind of make me optimistic for the future. And they make me optimistic that you know alongside Kim and Raina and you know Emily and Mario and everyone else who associates with with us here at BFT Radio, as well as, you know, off uh, in our respective forms and lives, I know that these types of events are possible and that it is possible for us and others like us to get together and discuss things that relate specifically to us and can also provide, I guess, not only a safe space, but a space to really connect with other people who are like us. And I think that that's, that's very important, you know. I spent the first couple of years of being a non-believer believing I was the only one. And, you know, here I am 10 years later, and I know that I'm not only the other one, not, not the only one, but there are plenty of others like myself. And I think that that's, that's great. No one should ever have to feel like they're alone or like they're the only one. And that's why I always encourage, you know, we need to connect and we need to get together and we need to we need to really bond and take steps forward so that 
the things we want to see done, we can see done. And that we can achieve anything. So, wait. So, um, that's that's really what I, what I really wanted to say uh, specifically about um, this event that took place. Like, it makes me very, very optimistic about things that, that, I, that I know can take place and will take place for the future. Now, I mean, there are plenty of things that are in the works. Um, I can't really discuss right now. It's not my place. But, you know, it kind of makes me more optimistic that I know that, you know, regardless of our disagreements, regardless of our various beliefs outside of our non-belief in, in a higher power, or, or um, it is possible for us to come together and that, we are not a monolith, and I think that it's okay for that to be showcased. And we definitely need to create a place so that that can be showcased. We're not a monolith, just like the black community, the black atheist community, or the black freethinker community. We're not a monolith, and we we do all have um, all different types of beliefs and and opinions and ideas, and we're all not going to agree on how to achieve the things that we want to see done and we're all not going to agree on 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 how to go about them but that's okay and i think that i think that point often gets um overlooked that that it's okay that we don't all think alike or that we don't all agree so like i said very optimistic for the future very 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 optimistic to the future. So uh, I just wanted to, to share that, to share that, to share that story with you guys. I had a phenomenal time this past weekend in New York. You know, I always got to give a shout out to uh, Ayana Mandiza, um, my boy, gifted anomaly, and you know Dave Silverman who came through. You know, shout out to him. Um, as well as the other various, you know, large groups of organizations that came out and supported, you know, the first ever rally of that kind. Now, just like with anything, and like we said um, when we spoke about the the Trayvon uh, protests and rallies and whatnot, like we cannot let that be it. You know, it, it's good right now, and we can we can embrace what we've done, but there's m- much more work that needs to be done. And we can't just we can't just let um, we cannot just let um, ourselves get caught up in the moment and forget about all that we need to do and all that we can do to progress forward. We all have our own respective paths, and we all have our own things that we're good at. And what what we do? So what we all need to do is you know lend our own respective talents to said movement so we can progress forward. Okay, definitely said a mouthful on that. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Shout out to AJ. Yes, I forgot. She gave a phenomenal speech on Saturday. Phenomenal speech on Saturday. So I definitely have to give a shout out for her. Plus, she added me on Facebook. So definitely shout out to AJ Johnson as well. She was, she was, she was spectacular. As well as all the other speakers who, uh, who spoke as well. So, um, I'm going to use that to transition into my next segment 
Um, this will be the final segment before I jump into the segment on black-on-black black shaming, which was I wanted to talk a little bit about, excuse me, I wanted to talk a little bit about this um, beef that's going that's been going on the last couple of days between Jay-Z and Harry Belafonte. And I'm seeing all different opinions from all sides of the table. And I see things that I agree with on both sides of this. Now, in case you're un- in case anyone is is currently unfamiliar with what's going on, um it all started with Harry Belafonte was giving uh an interview last year. Um he was definitely he was asked randomly by some um some reporter you know, about, you know, modern celebrities and social responsibility. Because, you know, for those who don't know it, you know, Harry Belafonte was, you know, son was big in his day. Like, people knew this man. He was he was big in, in, in every way possible. You could almost say that he was maybe like the Jay-Z of his era. Um... But he got asked this question by this, uh, by this reporter last year. And he responded, and I quote, I'm going to read an exact quote here, Not at all. They have not told the history of our people, nothing of who we are. We are still looking. And I think one one of the great abuses of this modern time is that we should have had such high-profile artists, powerful celebrities, but they have turned their back on social responsibility. That goes for Jay-Z and Beyonce, for example. Give me Bruce Springsteen, and now you're talking. I think I really think he is black. End quote. Now, <laughs> now, <laughs> if I were Jay Z, I'm like I already I already know how I already know how I would feel about this, and I tweeted this out. Which was, you know, first of all, I would be upset that, you know, that my name specifically got thrown out. Not only my name, but my wife's name got got singled out of the countless amount of folks and got thrown under the bus. <laughs> you know, um, and Jay-Z, see, Jay-Z respond, then responded back to this on his most recent album, uh, Magna Carta, Holy Grail, um, on the song uh, called Nickels and Dimes, um, towards the end of the second verse, he reads, and I quote, "I'm just finding, com- I'm just trying to find common ground before Mr. Belafonte come and chop a nigga down. Mr. Deo, major fail. Respect these youngest boys. My time now. Hublot homie, two door homie. You don't know all this shit that I do for the homies." End quote. And then he went on to go a little bit further <laughs> in an interview that, you know, that Kim quoted in the chat room just now where um, Jay-Z said, basically in a nutshell, my presence is a charity, just who I am, just like Obama's is. And, you know, he says that basically he understood Harry's point, but he went about it wrong. You know, he and, and, and I, I understood Jay from that point, like, you you kind of threw son under the bus a little bit, and I and I understand. I, I totally understand. Be, 
because I I agree with what Harry said. You know, I the the whole singling him out thing was kind of was kind of grimy. Um, but I, for the most part, I didn't I didn't really completely disagree with him. But here's the thing about Jay's quote. Here's the thing, right? I and I agree with what you just said, Travis. <laughs> um, um, here's the thing that here's the thing um, about Jay Z's comment. And here, when he said that my presence is a charity comment, I mean, like most people, I was kind of like, "Come on, son, you talking about my presence is a charity? Like, really, son? You think you're so above folks?" That you know, just you showing up to people, just you showing up is 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 helpful in and of itself. And then I thought about it, and I'm like, well, to some degree, there might be a little bit of truth to that, because just like with just like with in, when any celebrity endorses or mentions something, it 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 brings attention to it. So in 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 a to some degree, I understand what Jay was trying to say. I understand, like him mentioning something or showing up somewhere. Obviously, with with his status, is going to, you know, that that's significant. That's going to bring attention to it because of who he is. And, and truthfully, I can't really like. I'm not someone who thinks that that's a bad thing. You know, as long as the attention, you know, get as long as the spotlight ends up on the the issue that needs to be addressed. Don't really see a problem with you know a celebrity doing that. Now, with that being said, Jay Jay needs doesn't need to you know be all arrogant and talk about you know my like he he could have worded that a different way by saying by actually saying like hey you know I you know I show up to these things to bring attention to it you know I talk about this to bring attention to it you know I donate I do this this and that you know. There, there are ways, but but by the same token, I, like I say, I understand why I understand why he said that. Harry kind of came at him. He kind of clapped back a little bit. Now, I did some research. Um, I did some research because I, I really wanted to to I really wanted to kind of dig deep into this um, because the the notion of social responsibility, which um, I believe me. It would be great if everyone had a sense of it, but unfortunately, you know, everyone is not doesn't carry you know a, a sort of social responsibility. But um, I wanted to do a little bit of research because I know Jay. Uh, you know, I know that Jay is one of those uh, rappers who actually does you know do things for the community, even if he himself is not. You know, he's not writing the songs like Talib Kweli does you know or or he's not he's not he's not um leading like discussions and whatnot like Jasiri X or Cornell West or Tavis Smiley are just for just for example like he's not he's not doing it in that way but he's not doing nothing I guess and I, like I what I what I found was I, I looked up and I found out that he has uh, his 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 uh, foundation, the Sean Carter Foundation. Um, they re- I know they recently announced that they were doing they were doing the they were picking up another scholarship. Um, 
turns out, and I found this out from an interview that Dream, the writer Dream Hampton gave earlier on the time during the morning show, was that, you know, Jay's always had, um, like, a scholarship foundation, or, or his foundation has always done things to help students. Like, I see that every year they, every, every year they, they host, a series of HBCU tours for for students, for high school students. Um, on top of that, Jay-Z's scholarship, uh, the scholarship that he offers, uh, had, is for anywhere from $1,500 to $2,500. Um, and it's for, you know, teenagers and folks with, you know, less than a 3.0 average. So, again, folks that are generally left out by by scholarships and and whatnot, you know they have the opportunity to get one. And according to Dream Hampton, he's been doing something like this since 1998, around when this second album came out. And I looked up some of the numbers from his foundation. You know, apparently 64% of uh, the applicants come from single parent households. Um, 35% represent households at the federal poverty level. You know, um, just last year. You know, he selected 188 scholarship recipients. You know, 75% of them had household income levels below $40,000. 78% of them came from single-parent homes. And over and half of them, exactly 50%, were first-generation college students. Uh, Cam, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention that, too. Definitely, I... I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't forget I'm definitely going to mention that um I didn't mention that or I'm going to mention that but um I did um like and and on top of on top of this Jay also uh his his foundation also hosts a um toy drive every December in the Marcy Projects which is where uh Jay-Z grew up at so um Taking this into account, and then um, also again also listening to Dream Hampton earlier, and, and look, doing looking up a couple other um, reading a couple articles, I feel like, and, and and I finally came to a conclusion, and it's a and it's a conclusion that I probably could have come about on my own because it's it's, it's something that I've I've been saying um, for at least an, a week or two, and, and probably even longer than that when it comes to roles that we all play in our respective movements, which is, you know, and Dream Hampton said this earlier, which is, you know, a lot of folks seem to romanticize the civil rights movement as if everyone was linked arms with Dr. King and they were all on the front line doing everything. And she said, no, that wasn't the case. There were people who did a lot of behind-the-scenes work who don't get any credit, and there were a lot of people who are basically check writers. And she would say, and she said that in this in this particular situation, Jay Z, while being a capitalist, is a check writer. You know, he may not write the protest song. He may he may not lead the the rally. He may not he may not be the one to speak out against specific laws or or, or advocating for. Um, change to these laws but he will he, he is someone who is going to donate the money that can help fund 
um, a lot of these organizations and a lot of these a, a lot of these um, individual events, I guess I should say, that 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 do help out people in the community. And I think that that's huge. I, and I don't think that that I don't think that that can be overlooked. I mean, sure enough, I think it would be great if if Jay spoke out. However, however, you know, I, there are some people out there, you know, I just don't think need to be given their opinions on politics. And I think Jay is one of those guys. I mean, there are plenty of others, you know, because, and and, I, and the thing is, I feel that way across the board. You know, it's like when, when, when someone comes out and is like, hey, hey, you know, I, you know, I'm against gay marriage. Nine out of ten times, everyone's like, "Well, who asked you? Who cares?" No, nobody cares. If you're you're against gay marriage, okay, no one cares. You ask, you ask me, who should be quiet? Um, <laughs> um, I, 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 a vast majority of musicians, for the most part, but. I'm not, but again, at the same time, I'm not. I don't want to. I I don't exactly want to advocate that. And Travis says right here, they should be loud with their ignorance so we can respond. Um, I agree, I agree, but that will to, that's that's totally dependent on whether they'll be receptive to whatever is said. You know. Some people just want to have the right to rattle off and, and not get called out or not have anything said to them. And I'm not saying that we should honor that, but oftentimes, oftentimes, um, oftentimes it, it kind of falls on deaf ears, kind of like Rick Ross and his rape apology. Uh, you know, he offered some half-assed apology. In the aftermath of you know the the protests and whatnot, it doesn't seem like he got the point. And you know some people I realize, <laughs> some people I realize I don't think will get the point, regardless of how you try to explain it to them. Just like you know, and all those rappers who came out in support of him. Travis, I'm not I'm not saying that Marvin Gaye should not have done what's going on or that KRS one. I'm saying there are certain folks that I particularly would not I don't really care what they have to say when it comes to politics. Like Kim just mentioned. I don't really want to hear Lil Wayne give a speech on civil rights. <laughs> I'm really not that interested. I I 'cause I can't really personally I don't really think that he's informed enough to really say anything that I think would be really worth listening to. Now, I'm not saying he couldn't surprise me, and I'm not saying that he couldn't give a phenomenal speech. I'm just not really interested in in hearing him say anything about it. I would much rather him stop, you know, I would much rather hear him talk about the the problematic issues in his own lyrics than try to, discuss others <laughs> that's just that's just me personally there are certain people i just i don't really care i don't, I truly don't really care what they have to say about politics or specific issues 
which is exactly why I would just tell them shut the f up. I I really don't care what they have to say at all whatsoever. Um now, before I jump to this next segment, I, I do have to mention, you know, since I just mentioned Jay-Z's organization and the the great things that they have done, uh the the um uh, the Black Skeptics of Los Angeles, they just gave away five. They just gave away five scholarships, which is pretty pretty huge considering they're a small organization in California. But this goes back to this. You know what this does? This goes back to to something. A message that's always stayed true with me, and and honestly, this is. Um, this is what kind of really attracted me to Black Free Thinkers Radio. I remember Kim had a show, um, I want to say maybe a year or two ago. And on that show, I remember her talking about the, you know, how we have to we have to offer alternatives. You know, we have, offer alternatives to what a lot of these Catholic uh, institutions are doing. You know, we have to get out there and do things for the community that that can that can um that can show our presence and that always stuck with me that that was one of the things that really always kind of me attracted me to the show and to the program and really made me want to listen in or at least check the archives when I couldn't so because of that so so that's why I would, and and that again Kim that's what that's that's what really drew me in to to really to really listening in. So them doing something like this is is huge. It's it's huge. You know, there are plenty of stereotypes about what not only atheists don't do but black atheists especially and a lot of times they some people will even lump black people in with with um contributing to things like scholar like offering scholarships you know it's not so much that we that we have to, we can talk about it we have to, we have to do it we have to offer these alternatives you know we can we can talk all day long about you know how the church is doing all this awful stuff but the church also does lots of really great stuff like food drives and toy drives and instead of and instead of Instead of, you know, just being so pissed off at that, we can create secular alternatives to that so that we can do the exact same thing without without the without the indoctrination, without having to 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 throw Jesus in it. We can do that. And and what that does, see and, and see that that's great on 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 lot on on a couple different levels. It's great because it puts our faces out there and shows that we are actually trying to make a difference. And and it also helps to dispel stereotypes about us. It helps dispel that, you know. I I I can just I can tell people just straight up just from um just from my dating experiences, you know, folks always have these these huge um stereotypes about how atheists act and and this this and that 
and it just goes to show it's not so much what you tell people, but by your act, you know, when you act, when you conduct yourself a certain way, and when you do certain things, you help dispel those stereotypes because it's not they won't look at you and be like, oh yeah, he's an atheist and blah blah blah. They'll be like, oh, he's an atheist, but look at what he's doing. That's not something I'm used to. Like, so wow, there are other people. There are other people who. You know there there are atheists out there that aren't you know just going off at the going off at the mouth, you know commenting on folks' Facebook statuses and 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 whatnot. They're actually out here doing things that affect people, <laughs> and that's that's the big thing. If you really want to if you really want to you know if you really want to um, you know change the people, you have to be around the people. <laughs> it didn't really do you a whole lot to talk from afar and and hope for the best. You can't you can't close your eyes and swing swing for swing for the baseball without checking from uh where the baseball is coming from, you know? <laughs> of course, Kim, you know I've been listening. <laughs> but yeah, like that's and and that's that's and that's huge. Like I said, we we've got that's the kind of stuff that we need to do. That's why you know solidarity in, in this movement is so is so crucial, and and that's why we need to support you know things like what with um the BSLA are doing with their scholarships, you know, that's that that is really that is what's going to leave an imprint in people's heads, not some imprint telling them that slavery is in the Bible, that's uh, an imprint, some billboard that says slavery in the Bible, you know, it's real. Them, their child getting a scholarship that can that that'll help them with school, you know, that is what'll make a difference for people. Seeing that there there are non there are people who are doing good just because it's the right thing to do. That's what that's what that that is that is what'll stick with people. Not you know not not this whole not this whole notion of um, not this whole notion of. Putting billboards up and commenting on Facebook, uh, no, that's that's not going to work. <laughs> we we have to actually lay the groundwork. We actually have to have foot soldiers. You know, one my dream, my 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 dream, because you know I love Melissa Harris Perry. My dream is I would I would love to see us, you know, someone, be it Kim or Sakivu or anyone else. Make it onto Melissa Harris Perry's foot shoulders. I, w- I would absolutely that that will be like a dream of mine to see some to see you know to see <laughs> to see you know someone getting some recognition for doing some good. You know that will be phenomenal. That that will be um, that. She, that would be phenomenal. That's one thing I would I would definitely long to see because again, like I said before, that stuff like that actions will do more to dispel these stereotypes um, surrounding uh, not only atheists but black atheists specifically and and whatnot and and dispelling stereotypes about you know needing to about needing God or religion to do good things. It's not so much to say it. I wrote the songs. I mean, I was I was featured in a song called "Good Without Guys," but that doesn't really do too much if I'm not if I'm not out there actually doing things, showcasing, living my life, 
you know, on how I'm a good person without it. So, again, um, BSLA, they're going to be looking to do um, – they're gonna they're gonna look to give out some more scholarships. So if you guys want to donate, make sure you uh, you can send a PayPal donation to blackskeptics at gmail dot com. Um, I'm broke for broke right now, but when I get some money uh, um, after these next couple weeks go by and I, I have a little bit money to save, I know that I will definitely be contributing because I definitely want to. I definitely want to be a, a part of, of helping someone achieve something that they want to because someone did the same thing for me in order for me to go to school because I had a scholarship when I first went to college. So that's 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 what we got to do. <laughs> so um, as I was saying, um, so... That's that's definitely what we need to do. Now, that being said, um, we're about to jump into. Oh, that's a and that's a great point, Kim. People gave twenty five dollars a month. That adds up. That's a very that's a very great point. You don't really realize how much you know how much money you save, how much money, how much that little bit adds up. You know. Excuse me. So. Again, hopefully all of you can uh, definitely go donate. Donate anything you can, anything from $0.10 cents to $10. Um, so I'll put the the cap on that segment. And now I'm going to jump into this main segment uh, on for black-on-black black shaming. Um now before I really jump before I jump into this there's a song I wanted to play um and the song the song kind of um it it kind of echoes my thoughts on um on on this topic to some degree I don't agree with everything in the song but it's it's a really great song a very underrated song I, I always push this song to people because I feel like it, it has a message that I think people um Overlook and it's and it's definitely a subject that doesn't get expressed much when we talk about rap, as far as rap is concerned. So this song right here is called "I Rather I'd Rather Be Wrong" by MF Grimm. It was released in 2006 on the 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 only uh, triple disc album in history, uh, American Hunger. So I'm going to play this, and then right after the jump, we'll jump right into this discussion. Okay. Song is called "I'd Rather Be Wrong." I'm not really sure why this is not playing. Okay. It's kind of weird. Okay, for some reason, 
not getting the song to play. Kind of strange. Okay. Um, in the meantime, here we go. Okay, well, I tried that and it it didn't play either. Oh, let me try it this way. Few bullets hit the floor while flying through the air. Billy Jean lie up concrete. Some die there. Military weapons against stones not fair. Gunshots, industry, whole block scared. Niggas tell you they love you right before they shoot you. Hug your mama. Cry at your funeral. It's terrible, sinful. Life here is pitiful. God has a dark sense of humor. Divine comedy. Jokes on you. Punchline is tragedy. It's not what he say. It's how he deliver it. Louis Armstrong gassed me. Said it was wonderful. Bush lit the match. Show souls are flammable. Push me. Don't. I'm close to the edge. War. I keep falling, but I'm laying on the floor. So deep. Drowning, but I'm not in water. In hell. Inferno. In hell. Breathe fire. In heaven. Eternally. Exhale. Leave Lucifer. Fail my objective. Could never be president. Although I have all the criminal qualifications. So no, I guess I'm just like Colin Powell. Lack of real power and blood on the conscience. Some Caucasians see black as being contagious. Their children love us and now act as strangers. Wish they could go back to days when they hang us. Man, them days they hung us is still among us. We got fake revolutionaries trying to mislead us. Won't bust their guns in the head, they just beat us. Fight their own kind instead of ones who mistreat us. Mechanicals for revolution, Che Guevara never got them. He couldn't be bought by the demons who shot him. So don't give me that power to the people shit, unless you about to shit. Too many niggas died for it. Old timers know how to spot who's legit. Real bankers are pros and know who's counterfeit. Dual live free lunch, that's who I roll with. We out here exposing holes and foes the way you should. Living good, not giving back to the hood. Shit changed, the clan's black wearing hoods. Prove me wrong, I wish brothers would. And you're strong, cause I'd rather be wrong. I learned the worst devil in the world, the black one. They'll speak your language, talking slang, son. If detected, here's come another one. Where these niggas coming from? Bread with self-hatred. Eating massive scraps, feeling that they made it. Black churches and buses, firebombs raided. Program American hunger, so they ate it. Cook grabs, iron chef, ghetto gourmet. Slow jams, wild get high, forget problems. No man's island, but each one's a monster. Shit ain't never gonna change, we can't solve them. How can a nation build when they don't love each other? No promised land, only misery prolonged. But in this song, I'd rather be wrong. The situation is life or death. Armstrong Williams and George Bush 
to kill millions. Your skin is black, but for you I have no feelings. Your files are flagrant, you secret agent. I speak for a crime still alive but lost. Your ancestors will haunt you until you see the light. Kinda leads to right, how you sleep at night. I guess the devil tucked you in real tight. Take a look in the mirror, bitch, you are not white. What do they have on you? Something ain't right. The vow taken by the president at the inauguration. Never let this become a nigga nation. But they're like roaches, plan B, space station. Just in case they get the heart, choose to fight. And want a war, can't take it no more. Make these niggas literally reach for the stars. Throwing rocks will never reach Mars. Can't touch this. Kill them off, see who survives the sequel. It's un American, niggas will never be equal. Fuck them jiggables, they not even people. It's not a myth, they're only three fifths. Aid that nigga lover, what was on his mind? Probably had nigga in him, knew he was that kind. Now a nigga for life, that's why pennies don't shine. Show non-believers matters controlled by the brain. Grim stays to blame for the world display pain. All those multiple contusions and bruises, illusions. Magnum Carter, OG Constitution. 1215, master plan for prostitution. The king is a pimp wearing jewels to execution. Father against son, that was the revolution. We didn't matter, so please don't be flattered. Africa was shattered, our blood was splattered. I died before, so I don't fear. Took 2,000 years for a nigga to reappear. Gotta kill me, cause I'm powerful, I know the deal. Memorize lines, go along with the script. Will my execution make my people flip? Will disciples be tripe and slip? Please come together, all bloods and crypts. Make purple, save your people. They counting on you to kill yourself. Time for us to make a change. I'd rather be wrong. We now hanging ourselves. There's no excuse no more. We gotta come together. We gotta get shit right. Shit is too fucked up. Been fucked up for a long time, man. Beyond color though. We just need to get our heads together. People don't realize what this world is for, man. Same shit ain't for us to sit down here fucking fight each other. Motherfuckers think, man, think. Life is too short for this shit. Run around in circles, man, like rats in a maze. And we're back. Uh, that song right now I just played was called, uh, again, I'd Rather Be Wrong by M.F. Grimm off the uh, triple disc album called American Hunger. I believe that's on disc one, if I, if I say so myself. Um, so that, um, I played that song for a particular reason. Uh, first of all, it's one of the few rap songs I feel like that addresses um, black on black shame. As far as, far as a full song is concerned. I mean, we you you get lines every now and then, you know, that there'll maybe be a bar or two, but you you very rarely get full songs that that kind of speak about um that kind of speak about people who who are against, I guess, who are against black empowerment, I guess is the word I'll I'll use right there. So because of that, this song always kind of resonated with me, and um, truthfully, it didn't. It didn't. 
I, I couldn't really understand why until I started putting um, my notes and everything together for this show, and I happened to this song happened to come on um, in the background, and and I was like, oh my god, I forgot all about this song. This song would be perfect. You know, so many so many different lyrics that that kind of express. Um, express uh you know sentiments that I feel like needed to be expressed coming from you know the hip hop community you know um lines like I learned the worst devil in the world's a black one they'll speak your language talking slang son if detected here comes another one with it's coming from bread with self hatred even master scraps feeling like they made it Black churches and buses firebombed and raided. Program American hunger, so they ate it. Cook Graham's Iron Chef Ghetto Gourmet. Like stuff like like lines like that are powerful. Like those are really powerful lines, you know. And 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 stuff, you know. In the in the in the third in the in the third verse, you know, where where he even talked he even talked about the the Civil War. You know, we didn't matter, so please don't be flattered. Africa was shattered, our blood was splattered. You know, like, stuff like that. Like, that's part of the reason I wanted to I wanted to explain that. Now, let's get into this, this subject in, in particular, black-on-black shame. Um, you know, a lot of that has been coming, has definitely come up in the news. Uh, in, the, in the wake of the Zimmerman trial, um... I've, you've mostly seen it come from probably people on your Facebook, uh, Facebook or your Twitter, or whatever social network you decide to use. People in your workplace, you know, people you hear on the phone, people you're at the club with, etc. You know, people who who say who will say who 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 will attempt to, you know, downgrade others or downgrade. Um, Stuff that has gone on, like they'll they'll bring up black on black crime, or 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 in, or something else that's gone on in the black community, or they'll talk about twerking, or something like that, in an attempt to kind of make people feel bad for being so um, in arms about the the the, the Zimmerman verdict. Um, and um, it even went as far as. I can't even think of the actor's name. I think it's Romney Malvo or something like that. Like he, I know that he he um, he wrote an article for in the Huffington Post. Oh, Malco, that's his name, Romney Malco, who um, wrote an article for the Huffington Post, um, basically completely throwing black people under the bus. And and almost essentially implying that the Trayvon Martin um, that this that the entire trial was um, a distraction and a distraction from the larger larger issues that uh, that are going on in the community or in the world or whatever the case may be. Um, so there's there's been a lot that's that's gone on, and, and most recently we've had uh, Don Lemon, who's a CNN anchor. Uh, for some reason, 
tab wants to be slow. That's cool. Um, most recently, we've had um, Don Lemon, who um, basically was responding to um, talking points that uh, Bill O'Reilly had made on his show a day or so prior, and Lemon basically said that you know that they, that that he didn't go far enough. O'Reilly didn't go far enough. Now, before I really break go into that, I'm going to step back a little bit and I want to define shaming for for folks who may not um, know exactly what it is. Uh, the dictionary defines shame as you know negative emotion, a negative emotion that combines feelings of dishonor, unworthiness, and embarrassment. As um, second definition reads. Capacity to feel unworthy. Or in the third one states, a state of disgrace or dishonor. Now, though in in that case, um, these definitions were used as a noun. But when, we, when I talk about shame in this case, um, we're talking about um, we're using it in a in the in the as a verb. And we're speaking of of shaming folks, people who attempt to give others negative emotions or make them feel unworthy because of something that we may not like or disagree with. Shaming comes in all different forms and fashions. You have fat shaming, you have slut shaming, um, black shaming, um, gay shaming, all of that. You have... All these different you have all these different types of shaming where you basically try to make someone feel worthless or lesser than because of something that they do did or who they are as an individual now uh where's chat room at okay now um now that we've defined that, when we talk about black-on-black shaming in particular, we often, we're, we're talking about specific uh, attitudes, behaviors, or stereotypes that are attributed to uh, black people who and, and how folks tend to um, want to make them feel worthless or lesser than because of, because of that, uh, ghetto shaming is a type of is a is a type of shaming, and that's when you when you try to associate uh, actions or words or names or specific lifestyles or whatever the case may be with the ghetto in an attempt to uh, denigrate it to to make it lesser than to other it in a sense. You know, because once you once you do that to it, then you basically give free range for whatever you say or do to it. You know, when you ghetto shame somebody like who has a name like Takia or something like that, and 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 something bad happens, excuse me, something bad happens. You know, you basically give free range for whatever for whatever happens. You know, so if she were to get pregnant at sixteen then you would associate a behavior like that because of her name or maybe because of where she grew up at or, you know, whatever the case may be. 
whatever the case may be. So like I said, there are all these different types of shaming that go on, but we're going to talk specifically about black-on-black shaming. And in particular, we're going to talk about specific commentary from specific black people who who have had all of these really, in my opinion, awful things to say about other black people and whether there's any truth to it, whether, whether there's any truth to it. Um, Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby is known all over the world because I guarantee you there is almost no way that you grew up in America without seeing at least one episode of The Cosby Show. And I didn't even, and I know that that's true because I didn't even, I didn't even grow up when that show was on air. You know, I just happened to catch it either in syndication or because uh, my sister used to tape it. You know, so, but but I've seen it. Lots of people know who Bill Cosby is. They know him as the comedian. They know him as Cliff Huxtable. They, you know, everyone knows him. And he's well-known and he's well-respected. And I even had the pleasure of meeting him a couple years ago because I know that he goes to the Penn Relays every year. And for a while, I used to go every year as well, and I happened to meet him and shake his hand and whatnot. You know, obviously him being who he is, you know, you wasn't going to get the chance to, like, converse or anything. But that's beside the point. Um, so um, Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby has been one of the loudest voices as far as talking about uh, talking about black people and issues that affect black people. Um, and I first remember hearing of his comments when I was in high school. Now, unfortunately, when I heard of his comments, you know, I I was very ignorant myself. So I found myself agreeing with a lot of the things that he used to say because a lot of the things that he said were things that that I believed myself. But because I was uneducated, it was easy for me, it was easy for me to completely agree with what he was saying. Um now you may ask, well, what exactly was he saying? Uh I'm going to read some some quotes um from um uh, a speech that he wrote called We Cannot Blame the White People Any Longer. They're standing on the corner and they speak English. I can't even talk the way these people talk. Why you ain't, where you is, what he drive, where he stay, where he work, who you be. And I blamed the kid until I heard the mother talk. And then I heard the father talk. Everyone knows it's important to speak English except these knuckleheads. You can't be a doctor with that kind of crap coming out your mouth. In fact, you will never get any kind of job making a decent living. People marched and were hit in the face with rocks to get an education, and now we've got these knuckleheads walking around. The lower economic people are now holding up their end of the deal. They're holding up their end in this deal. People are not parenting. They are buying things for kids. $500 sneakers for what? And they won't spend $200 for hooked on phonics. I, I'm going to stop right. I'm going to stop right there because that, that's that's a lot right there that 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 he said. Now again, I, when I was in high school, I agreed. I agree wholeheartedly because I went to I went to a private school, 
and most of the black people that I've been subjected to spoke, you know, spoke like spoke like that. And I was I was engaged in a lot of the a lot of the the, the shaming and whatnot, you know, thinking that there was there was something inherently wrong with people who were like that, people who spoke with a certain dialect or didn't speak the Queen's English. Or, or they they were very colorful in how they expressed themselves, or in how they and how they talked, or or in descriptions, or whatever the case may be. And I used to think something was wrong with that. I re- I really did. Now now let's you know let's 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 <laughs> let's kind of let's kind of break this down a little bit. There's first of all I do want to say that there's absolutely Nothing wrong with the African American vernacular English. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. I even engage in it. I don't there there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And and it's important to note that the way that one speaks is not an indication of how intelligent that someone is. There are plenty of people brilliant minds but unable to articulate themselves i even have that problem and as you can see right now i speak very well for myself i speak very, I, 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 at least in my opinion i speak very well i i'm articulating what i'm saying you know i have my slip ups every now and then but again i'm human it happens you know i i, I consider myself a fairly articulate person but there are plenty of times when 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 I'm not like this, and I struggle to to really put words together, which which you know, me being a, a lyricist and a wordsmith of sorts, sounds kind of odd. But the the fact that I may not say something in the Queen's English is not an indication that I'm not intelligent, or that there's anything in particularly wrong with that. And 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 if you really want to to get to the root of an issue like why someone speaks the way they do, that's purely regional. Purely regional. You know that that's the environment. There are plenty of people around the D.C. area where I live who speak as I do, just like there are plenty of folks who live in Atlanta or in the South who speak the way that they do, or folks in the in the Midwest who speak how they do. Or folks in New York who speak the way they do. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. And he goes on to say that you will never get any kind of job making a decent living. See that line. That line. That line always kind of stuck out to me, because basically what you're saying, what what you're basically saying is you will never be good enough for white America being the way you are. Who you are is not good enough for white America. That that because of the way you speak or how you choose to express yourself or how you choose to conduct yourself, that that is not deserving of a good job. Now, to some degree, there might be a little bit of truth in that. There might be. But on the other hand, it could be BS. Because I know people who own businesses, run the, who run their own businesses, 
people who are who are writers for for places like BuzzFeed and Gawker and and and, and all these other places. And they speak just as they speak just as country as Lil Wayne and Gucci. You know. So that that's that that's for me at least that's false. Never get any kind of job making a decent living. And and he mentions that you know you can't be a doctor with that kind of crap coming out. Who says you can't? There's no indication that it's no indication that you can't absorb the information. It's no it, there's no telling. <laughs> you know, I've got I've got no I've got friends who were in law school and, and all of that and they don't speak the Queen's English. They're on the verge of graduating though. There's no indication. What we, what we really need to do, and what Bill need, really needs to do, is to to not to not judge these folks because of how they choose to speak or express themselves. Because you're telling them that who they are is not good enough. That who they are, who they are, is not deserving of respect. That there's something wrong with it. That that you that they are deficient in some way. Because they don't adhere to white standards, and I say white. I say white in the context of this is we we live, exist, and operate in a white supremacist system here in America. Excuse me, white supremacist capitalist system here. That being said. Because of that, because of that, this system, the way it's set up, consistently reminds us that folks who are who don't fit in, who 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 are not up to white people's standards, are not deserving, or they are not capable, or that they are lesser than because they 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 are not up to white standards of in regards to how they speak, how they express themselves, how they decide to carry themselves, the things that they are interested in. And that's all BS. All of that is BS. And 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 Cosby also does this thing that lots of that lots of lots of people from the older generation who talk about who talk about my generation, some of the younger ones, and in this in the way that they try to romanticize the civil rights movement. Which is you know, not to say that great things didn't happen and it's also not to say that awful th- that they didn't endure awful things. But you cannot you cannot put the onus on black folks for lots of the issues that that does the issues that we have as far as education here. A lot of the schools in, in African American excuse me in African American neighborhoods are underfunded. They're awful. A lot of these schools are absolute trash. Uh, Lupe Fiasco, one of my favorite rappers. Uh, he addressed he addressed that he addressed that on on the song um, uh, on the song 
called Words Are Never Said, when he says, your child's future was the first to go with budget cuts. And if you think that hurts, wait, here comes the, here comes the uppercut. The school was garbage in the first place. That's on the up and up. Keep you at the bottom, but tease you with the upper crust. You get it, then they move it, so you never keep it up enough. That's, in a nutshell, what it is. I went to a pri- I, I went to private school. I was privileged in a sense that I went to private school. But even my my middle and ele- my my middle my elementary and middle school wasn't was poor. You know, we were terribly underfunded. All everyone in my school was black, save for one student. Our my school was terribly underfunded. I wasn't prepared to go to high school. Like we, like I went, we were using outdated books. You know, we were in two thousand. You know, it was two thousand one, and we're still using books from ninety eight. A lot of these schools are, are terrible. They're absolutely awful. And if we really if we really want to address that that part, we have to look at the school system and we have to really look at you know how much the US values education. I mean, considering the what's going on in Chicago and you know all the all the various cuts that have taken place all across the nation, it just goes to show that America is not really investing in this education. And it's not all it's not a matter of, you know, like people not caring. It's a lot of the schools really are trash. They don't really have the means to. They really don't have the means to to really to operate successfully, and they don't really have the means to engage the students. A lot of the teachers go there and are there because they have to be, not because they want to be. And all that's very detrimental. That's that. All of that contributes. All of that contributes to why lots of black youth are the way they are, because a lot of them are brilliant. I, I, I worked I worked with with DC youth for five years. I mean, and and I would probably still have continued if you know if um if the if the program that I was in was was run a little better. A lot of these kids are brilliant but aren't interested because they, they aren't engaged in the way that makes them want to be. A lot of them are brilliant. They're very great at problem solving, you know, putting words. Some of them are good at putting words together. Some of them are, are, are good at art. But when 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 your school system doesn't it doesn't put you in a place where 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 we can find out what you're good at and 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 highlight that you're setting the whole generation up for failure especially when it's already the schools are already underfunded as it is and that gets that's one thing that often gets left out especially that was one thing that gets left out as far as um like people like Bill Cosby, you know, they want to talk about the education level, but they don't want to talk about they don't want to talk about the school system, the education system, why it is that that it seems like black black children are, are uninterested uninterested in education. 
and 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 the other side of it is that they also don't know this when we have young black geniuses who 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 go to colleges and universities um ahead of time you know they they don't they don't talk about those children now but um that's 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 the problem that's one of the problems they they want to look at black people to to solve the issue solve the education issue you know if the school really isn't if the school really isn't shit then how do you expect how do you expect these children to get an education that's worth one especially when a lot of them live in in very poor poor neighborhoods and poor areas you know Part of the reason that lots of these folks get involved into other stuff is because of uh, is because of that. They don't have choices. The vast majority of people wouldn't engage in the things they engage in if they had other alternatives. But when you don't have other alternatives, you have to do what you can to survive. And for a lot of people, that that means turning the crime. Especially when the system in and of itself, when the system is set up in a way where it can usher young black and brown children into prisons easily for nothing, for looking suspicious, can be a threat to black life. Just for looking suspicious. I mean, that's not even. That's not even. Like, I, I could. I could easily mention Trayvon right there. But I could talk about the little boy who got choked out by a police officer just for giving a menacing look. Menace, menacing. Menacing. There we go. Menacing look. Choked out. I believe he was seven. Black life is not a value here. Any black person should should be able to see that and understand, but unfortunately they don't because it's, it's too easy to place the onus on the people that you believe don't care but don't want to look at what created what created that, that attitude. Why don't they care? You know why why are they why are they in these poor neighborhoods? Because they're not there because they want to be. They're not. No one is. Poor because they want to be poor. That's 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 false thinking right there. No one is poor because they want to be poor. That being said, let's uh, let's look a little further into what he said. I'm talking about these people who cry when their son is standing there in an orange suit. Where were you when he was two? Where were you when he was 12? Where were you when he was 18? And how come you didn't know that he had a pistol? Where is the father? Or who is his father? People putting their clothes on backwards. Isn't that a sign of something going wrong? People with their hats on backwards, pants down around the crack. Isn't that a sign of, of something? Isn't it a sign of something when when she has a dress all the way up and got all types of needles going through her body? Okay, let's let's examine that real quick. Parents were there when they were two. Parents were there when they were 12. Or maybe they weren't. But why aren't they there? A lot of times they aren't 
that if we're talking as far as poor people, a lot of them aren't there because they have to have second and third jobs to make a living. So they can't be there. It would be nice. It would be nice if they could be there. They would be there if they if they could. But unfortunately, sometimes they have they have to sacrifice time that could be spent with their child in order to be able to to put themselves in a situation where their child can have food and shelter and can go to school. That's why. Like, this system is very complex. Very, very complex. It's very intricate. And if you're, if you, if you don't, if you don't look at them, if you don't, if you, if you don't follow it, it's easy to lose sight <laughs> and attribute things to, th- to, to other things that aren't connected to it at all. That's why, the, that's why lots of parents aren't there. They aren't there because they don't care. They're, they're not there because they ha- they have to be elsewhere. Where is the father? Who is his father? <laughs> I'm I'm not even going to spend any time on that. And and then here's here's my favorite part when he talks about the clothes, clothes on backwards, pants down to the crack, having piercings. I mean, that's fashion. Fashion changes by generation. You know, the generation prior, the generation prior to his generation, I'm sure felt the exact same way. They felt the exact same way when they saw the the big afros and the, and the bell bottoms and the the open shirts and, and and all of that. There's a reason. There's a reason why why Elvis why Elvis's hip thrust was such a threat threat to society, they didn't like it. And then eventually society got acclimated to it and and it became part of it. Same thing here. It's the exact same thing here. You know, it's not a sign of something wrong. It's a sign of times changing. And times are going to change, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. But whether it's one or the other is not cannot be concluded by whether someone wears their hat backwards or have their pants sagging, that doesn't mean anything. That's a fashion choice. Then goes on to, to mention Africa, <laughs> and then he tries to and then tries to say, "I'm not even going to read all of this, but that we aren't African because we don't know anything about African." And it's stupid because white people don't talk about their countries, and because white people don't, it's stupid. And names like Shaniqua, Taliqua, Muhammad are stupid, are bad, and they're all in jail. Which is, again, another form of shaming. A lot of these names that folks like to talk so ill about are, are definitely African or Arabic in origin. Lots of them are, and even if someone wants to wants to get creative with their name and throw in an extra hyphen, or an apostrophe, or silent letters, they have the right to do that, and they should be able to do that without forced to feel bad about it, or or without having to, without having to uh, worry about you know their child being discriminated against. 
uh, <laughs> it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Found it. Okay, trying. To, I was trying to find a, an article that actually talks a little bit. Um, talks a, a little bit about names. There's a there's a great 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 article called Let's Talk About Names, who's written by Tru, written by Trudy Hamilton, who's a writer and culture critic at Gradient Layer. Um, definitely go check her out. I'm gonna post the link to that in the chat room. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal um, article. I encourage everyone to check that out. For sure. See, the the problem with Bill's comments, as as I've said before, is that they they attempt to shame folks for things. They attempt to shame folks for things that they shouldn't have to feel bad about. No, they shouldn't have to feel bad about their name. Shouldn't have to feel bad about 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 their fashion choices. They shouldn't have to feel bad about that kind of stuff. And not only is he doing that, but Bill Bill doesn't realize that he's he's helping to further perpetuate a lot of the stereotypes against black people. He's 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 continuing to perpetuate that. So when when you have white people who who come out and say all these awful things, he is a voice that they're gonna they're gonna go to to justify some of their behavior. They're gonna they're gonna justify their own racist attitudes because they're like, oh look, Bill said it. He must be right. He's black. I agree with him. But it's problematic. And they don't ever examine exactly why that statement is problematic. You know, he talks about folks who can't read and all of that. And again, like I said, that goes back to education. That goes back to the education system. If children can't read, you need to look at the schools. Why don't the schools have proper funding? Why don't they have teachers who care? That's part of the reason these children end up the way that they do. You know, it, when they say it takes a village to raise a child, it's true. It's not just parents. It's not just the schools. It's it's everything. Everything influences that child's life. Everything from from the the place that they live to the route that, the route that they take to go to school or to go places the people they have in their family, the friends that they hang around, the people that they associate with, people that they have to to talk to in class, all of that is influential. All of that. And that's because all of that plays a role, you can't just simply you can't just simply put the onus on on black folks or say that, you know, that 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 it's up to us, you know, it's our fault, so we have to, we have to, um, we, it's up to us to stop it, to fix things. We can do things, we can certainly fight, we can certainly fight, but there's not a whole lot, there's not, there's, there's, there's not a whole lot that, that we can do because black people don't have the power, and because we don't have the power, we can't control the system. 
and we can't because we can't control the system. We're limited in in the actions that we can take, which is not to say that we shouldn't fight that we shouldn't attempt, but we're limited in that case in that sense. So that's that. So I'm going to use that to transition again, transition over and talk about Don Lemon. Don Lemon, who, um, again, anchor on CNN, he had um, his talking points this past week in which he uh, he basically won, he basically reiterated Bill O'Reilly's criticism of the black community. Now, Bill O'Reilly follows a long line of white and, in some cases, black conservatives who basically believe that all the all of the, the all of the problems in the black community can be traced back to the lack of the um the black family that because the black family is broken that that's the reason that kids are born out of wedlock and boys are joining gangs and all all of this other mess it's it's really faulty thinking really faulty thinking because because even if that were true you have to look at well why is the African American family broken like that what what happened that made the family that way slavery who's responsible for that case in point but I digress now Don Lemon uh, the other day was uh was on CNN and he was um he he brought up five points, a five-point segment in which he says five things that they can do, that the black community to do to end racism, to fix our community. And it just goes to show how little he thinks of us, you know. And, and it's almost like he completely, I can't say it's almost like, because he does completely ignore the history of institutional racism and systematic oppression. But here is five points. Now let's. I'm gonna break. I'll, I'll I'll read all five, and then we'll break it down. We've got uh, 27 minutes left. You know, three one zero nine eight two forty two seventy three. Call in, or just listen in. It's all good. Now, f- number five. Pull up your pants if you're sagging. I think it's your self-esteem that's sagging, and who you are as a person. Young people need to re- t- be taught respect, and there are rules. Number four, the, uh, the N-word, or nigger in this case. I understand poetic license, but consider this. I hosted a special on the N-word suggesting that black people stop using it and that entertainers stop deluding yourselves or themselves and others that you're somehow taking the word back. Three, respect where you live. Start small by not dropping trash, littering in your own communities. Lived in several predominantly white neighborhoods, rarely ever saw people littering. Live in Harlem. Every day I see people dropping trash. Two, finish school. Want to break the cycle of poverty? Stop telling kids they're acting white because they go to school or speak proper English. And one, just because you have a baby doesn't mean you should. Okay. Now, oh, okay. Actually, let me let me actually let me read the rest of this because it's, it's actually important. More than seventy-two percent of children in the African American community are born out of wedlock. 
That means absent fathers. And studies show that like of a male role model is an express train right to prison, and the cycle continues. So please, black folks, if it doesn't apply to you, I'm not talking to you. Pay attention and think about what's been presented in recent history as acceptable behavior. Pay close attention to the hip-hop and rap culture that many of you embrace, a culture that glorifies everything I just mentioned, thug and reprehensible behavior, a culture that is making a lot of people rich and not you, and it's not going to. Now, Don Lemon is full of shit. Son is constipated. We need to start a we need to get a Kickstarter together and we need to fund maybe a year's worth of X Lax and hopefully he can he can relieve himself. <clears throat> hopefully he can relieve himself and he can he can come to his senses. Now let's let's break this down. Let's 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 break this down. Alright? So let's start at the top. Numero cinco. Pull up your pants if you're sagging. I think it's your self-esteem that's sagging. Who you are as a person. Young people need to be taught respect and that there are rules. First of all, F you. That's, that's, that's my initial response. I sag my pants. And I don't really care how you feel about it. Because it doesn't mean anything. It's a, it's a fashion choice. No different than skinny jeans. No different than baggy shirts or fitted shirts. No different than boxes or briefs. It's how you choose to wear them. I sag my pants. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not you know, I'm not walking around with a belt in my ankles and whatnot. I don't do that. But you know, I do a little sag. It's it's what I'm used to. I grew up like that. It's comfortable for me. You know? And it has nothing to do with my self-esteem. It's a type, it's a fashion choice. A lot of people wear like that because it's comfortable. They're used, they grow up like that. Yeah, I understand. No one else wants to see the draws. And I, 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 you know, to the degree, I can kind of agree with that. But to the same degree, don't look. You don't want to see my underwear, don't look at my draws then. So, son just needs to get over himself. Trust me, me pulling my pants up, and, and this is the other side of it, me pulling my pants up, or anyone pulling their pants up, guess what that's not going to do? It's not going to change It's not going to change me in, in white people's eyes. It's not. I'll be a nigga with my pants sagging just like I'll be a nigga with my pants up. It happens. So, obviously, fixing, we, obviously, the trick to fixing my community lends in me deciding to wear a belt. Gotcha. Thanks for the advice, bro. Number four, the N-word. And this kind of ties into what I just said. Now, here's the, here's the thing. Now, everyone everyone likes to assume that if that white people only want to say the N-word because black people say it. And there may be a little, little bit of truth to that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We didn't start. We didn't start saying the word. Nigger was not a word that that black people started. We we did not invent the word. We were not the first ones to use the word. 
So it's not on us. It's not that's not on us for the word to stop getting used. Because the fact of the matter is, white people started it, and you know what? They're going to keep using it. They're going to keep using it regardless of whether we stop saying it. For a while, I didn't use the word, and guess what? I still got called a nigger. I still got called it. It doesn't make a difference. It doesn't really make a difference whether black people stop using it or not. Because the fact of the matter is, you you get someone riled up, they'll use it. Case in point, Mr. Riley Cooper of the Philadelphia Eagles, who, for whatever reason, decided to go on a rant on camera saying, I will fight every in this place. That just goes that just goes to show. That just go that just goes to show. Even 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 when there are none around. No black people around. white people are going to use the word. And the fact of the matter is many of them use the word already. It's only a pro, it's only problematic for them when they get caught in the public saying it and there's some sort of backlash. But they they don't care about using the word. They care about using the word when it affects them. Paula Dean didn't really give. She didn't. She didn't care at all until she started losing endorsements. Uh, what's his name? Dog the Bounty Hunter didn't care until he started. Till his show got canceled. You know? Pardon me. So, even if we stop using the word, that's not going to fix the community because the fact of the matter is institutional racism, systematic oppression, white supremacy will dictate that even if we aren't, even if we don't say nigga or whatever word, whatever variation of the word, we're still going to get called that because that is still how we are looked at. Three. Now let's move on to number three. Start small by not dropping trash littering. Um, I live in northeast D.C. Up until a couple of years ago, my neighborhood and the surrounding neighborhoods were predominantly black. Our neighborhoods didn't look didn't look that didn't weren't full of trash and 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 whatnot and littering. I I like where I live. I'm proud of where I live. You know, can improvements be made? Sure, of course, of course they can. But I love where I live. I love being in this city. And, and I don't know why you think that pointing this out to black people is somehow going to fix the issues. You know, apparently I was unaware that in the black community that we have a, we have a littering issue, you know. Suddenly, you know, all, all 400, all 400 years, part of that can be, you know, accounted for if we just litter, if we just stop littering. You know. Maybe I won't get racially profiled if I decide to throw my Pepsi can in the trash next time. I'll remember that. Or 
maybe 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 my family my family in the south won't um you know maybe they won't be uh they won't have their votes suppressed you know when they stop sagging gotcha right right <laughs> you know it, it it's really ridiculous it's really ridiculous this respectability politics that 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 if we if that 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 in order to earn basic rights and privileges that everyone else can enjoy, it's up to us to fix it, show that we deserve it. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And uh, Raina, I'm going to bring you on in just a second. I just want to let me get these last two points. Or at least one of these last two points, and then I can bring you on for the the, the final one. <laughs> Finish school, because apparently if you want to break poverty, it, it, because apparently that's the key to ending poverty, going to school. Completely forget the the fact that earlier in the show I actually mentioned the fact that lots of the schools in a lot of these impoverished neighborhoods really aren't to, really aren't anything to begin with. A lot of them are underfunded and are using outdated books and are full of teachers that don't really care. So finishing school is no guarantee to, to get into poverty. Shoot, as expensive as college is nowadays, if anything, you're going to put yourself even more in debt. <laughs> you just guaranteeing it for your future kids. Okay, got my great friend Raina on the line now. Hey, how you doing? Now, I was going to make I wanted to make a I wanted to make a comment about the last point um before the education part of um you know, another thing to keep in mind is that services are not equal, like trash pick pickup and and that sort of stuff in different neighborhoods like you know, in Baltimore City, for example, in certain parts of Baltimore City, they actually will come and pick up your leaves and your and your and your yard debris. They'll actually do that, but on, on mm-hmm. a different day than trash pickup. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it's like and and even like trash pickup is is different in certain areas of the city. Yep. You know what I mean? And this is true across the country. You know, I mean, basic services like trash pickup, street cleaning. You know. I mean, a, a whole host of other things are just—they're not—they're not distributed evenly. So this idea that we somehow have a problem with um, littering more so than um, whites or other communities is just—is just ridiculous. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, shoot, if I go back to Delaware and I take some pictures of Dover, I'm pretty sure that'll dispel that myth very quickly. But I mean, I'm just even, throwing that out there. But even but even if it were true, it's like what I mean, like what um sort of what is there in some of these neighborhoods to be proud of? You know what I mean? Not to say that it's if it means that you you have to degrade what you have even further. I'm just saying right. what do you have exactly to preserve? You know what I mean? Pretty much. And, if I mean, your neighborhood is impoverished and in poor conditions are you just trying to uphold the poor conditions so that it looks nice, even if it isn't nice? Right. 
Right. You're trying Ridiculous. to throw a new coat of paint over, you know, over, you know. A pile of dump. Exactly. Dog crap. Exactly. Maybe if I paint it, it'll, it'll look nice. Nope. Stench is still there, bro. Right. Stench is still there. <laughs> yeah. It's. I mean, so it's like we have to keep these things in mind and, um, you were talking about like clothing and stuff like that. It's so it's so it's but it's so funny to me how selective all of this is. You know what I mean? As if black people are the only people that sag. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's, it's really it's really a a and and I'm sorry, but I've seen when I've seen people talking about people who sag they're generally talking about black men they're they're not paying attention to the you know the white boys who do the exact same thing you right, know right. <laughs> like it's just it's just all somehow, of them wear their pants the right way apparently right <laughs> you know it's but i don't know i think i think one of the things though that that, I mean, okay, look, it doesn't make sense to me that you would wear a belt and your pants are at your knees. But if you want to wear your belt at your knees and walk crazy, that's up to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's up to you. As long as you're not outside and, like, you know, offending me somehow. Like, I'm not seeing your junk. You know what I mean? Exactly. Then, then you know, do you. I'm probably going to laugh at the way you walk. But do you? <laughs> but <laughs> you know, it just seems like um, clothing and and clothing choice, particularly, it, it only comes up with certain groups. Like, um, like you know, it like only when comes it, up with us uh, in particular. Well, uh, us and, and and just us. And, um, I, mean, I was going to say it only comes up with certain groups, and it, like like women, for example, like women. I was going to say and women, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say women have to cover up. You know, black people need to pull up their pants um, and not wear African clothes, apparently, because you know, you know, yeah. of all of the other people on the uh, FBI's Most Wanted, Asada Shakur is the only one whose whose African dress or way of dressing is mentioned in her description. Right, right. Which she's is, the only I, woman, right? Well, she's Isn't the only she's woman. The only woman? She she's I think the the only woman ever to be on that list. Yeah. Yeah. Which is ridiculous in and of itself. I mean, yeah, I mean it's a whole that's a whole other story. But I mean yeah, that's I, a whole just, other show. <laughs> I mean it goes to show you how selective this this idea of like clothing and all this type of stuff is. And and now, um I think I just heard in, in, in Maryland's um uh Senator Cardin and um, another senator from somewhere else, or congressman from somewhere else, they're trying to get the federal government to pass legislation that would make um, that would make racial profiling illegal. And Good. and they said that they would basically do it by behavior, but like behavior to me is, is just as subjective as the clothing thing. Right, in in right. many ways, you know, I mean, look at look at how everyone read, you know, um, Rachel Gentile and her behavior. Right, right. You know what I mean? It's it's the you know, very like she's uneducated. She's obviously uneducated. Doesn't care this this and that. And then you find out, well, all of that wasn't even true. 
Right, but you assume that until, just because of what she wore and and her attitude. Right, and but wait until that gets translated into a a a situation where law enforcement is involved, where maybe they think, oh, well, all of these things make her suspect. You know what I mean? It doesn't yep. take much. So like, it all of this, you know, this advice that Don Lemon is giving is. It is it's it's unproductive and it's um racist and classist. You know, See, and it has to Don think just seems it. to have a, a huge he he seems to have come down with who hurt you syndrome. Yeah. That's 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 just, that's that's the one thing that I definitely got from his comments. Like he just sounds like he he who hurt? Like he got hurt or something or something by some black folks long ago and he never got over it and now he thinks that the way to fix the problems just well i don't even know that it's that i think he's just i think he's out of touch and you know and it's just like how we talk about all the time how you know black people internalize racism too you know um don lemon has you know he's lived a very privileged life you know um I don't know what his what his childhood was like, um, but you know certainly he's gone to good universities. He has a good job. You know he certainly is not in touch with the um, with the average you know African American person. You know right, and um, that's, that's the and that's that's actually the 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 issue that lots of the folks who have the sentiments that who agree with him. That's the problem. They don't identify, or they get to a point. They get to a point where they 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 no longer identify because they believe that because they managed to escape it, anyone else can escape. Like, oh, I managed to get out of this poor situation. That means any one of you can do it. You just have to, as Republicans say, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Right, but what's so funny is is that most people who who have those beliefs, <laughs> they ignore all of the help that they've had, or all of the privilege that they've that they've had that allows yep. them to get to their position. It's it's so ridiculous. You know, I've I've had several conversations about that with you about my own family. So, but I'm not going to go into that now because you only have like seven minutes. But I just wanted to get in there and say, right on, Marcus. Oh. <laughs> No, no, no problem. Trust me, we can keep this. We can keep this going on in the podcast for sure, because you know, even though there's only seven minutes left, I'm pretty sure that there's a lot more that can be said about this about this subject. In oh, particular. and believe me, Bill Cosby will come out of his mouth all kinds of wrong again <laughs> in the future. Oh, you already you already know. But you but but uh, the the final point, Don Lemon's final point, is something that Bill Cosby himself said. Not in these exact words, but you know, did you read? Did you did you you heard what his comment was about uh, children being born out of wedlock and uh, okay. you know Can black folks not participating about- in acceptable in acceptable behavior? Okay, what was that the last part? About that, um, acceptable behavior. Yeah, that 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 um. That basically black people don't adhere to what is acceptable behavior, which has been presented okay, as acceptable behavior. Which is subjective. Behavior. Which is which is subjective, and comes from a particular cultural context. 
in the first place. It was once acceptable behavior to hold human beings and to torture them and to force them to do your work for you. So let's keep that in mind. And that also came from the same from the same culture that dominates currently. But in any case, um, was what I was going to say about the part about the wet about the wedlock out of wedlock issue. I am so tired of hearing about this out of wedlock issue because <laughs> first of all, because first of all, I am not convinced that marriage is the greatest institution you right, know that right. human beings have ever founded. I'm not convinced, and I don't think that the American public is convinced either because. If they were, we would not have a 50% divorce rate. Exactly. So, I, in my opinion, the reason why we're seeing the, you know, this institution erode has nothing to do with homosexuality, has nothing to do with women and their rights, and it has everything to do with people, you know, coming to a point of understanding that this is not for me. This is not for, for them. You know what I mean? And it's like it's eroding because people are recognizing that it's not all it's cracked up to be. It just exactly. isn't. So. Exactly right. And as more people are, like you said, more people are kind of breaking. I mean, more people in, in I guess, this generation and the younger ones seem to be breaking away from a lot of the traditions such as marriage. Marriage. And such and, as, as you know, you know their religious their, beliefs and in, 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 in plenty of other areas as well. Oh. And I think, and I think um, um, what's the word I'm looking word for? for? I think I actually I think, think you pretty much echo, you pretty much echoed everything. Um, just a <laughs> side note: Do you have me on speaker? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm on my iPad. Okay, because uh, so I can hear myself and it kind of sounds weird. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's cool. Uh, I, I wasn't really, I wasn't really sure why, uh, why I could hear myself. It sounded kind of strange. Sounded kind of, sounded kind of strange. I turned you down a little bit, so that should help. Sorry. Oh, turn up. Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, okay, so. And, and there was a there's a final part of it that that Don forgot that Don also mentioned, you know, we talked about pay close attention to the rap and hip hop culture, a culture that glorifies everything I just mentioned, thug and reprehensible behavior, culture that's making a lot of the people rich, just not you. Wow. That was, yeah. Okay. And, you know, I think I think okay, there's. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> do you know you know how like somebody says something that that contains truth but only like a little bit of truth and like the rest of it is nonsense? You know what I mean? So like yep. I want to be careful when I say this. What he says is true, but it is not but rap music is not the problem. <laughs> Right. It's not I, I, a problem. I, well, hold, hold on, Raina. Hold that thought. Hold that thought, because I just got I just got my cue. I have ninety seconds, so okay. let me okay. let me do like my outro real quick, and then we can carry this on on the podcast. Because okay. I have something to say on that too, and I, I, I I'm pretty sure I know where you're about to go. 
But let me just uh, begin to wrap the show up real quick. All right. So, again, thanks, everyone, for listening in. This is MC Brooks. Um, this is the breakbeat. Um, again, go and go back, check the archives. Um, it's okay not to believe Kim. Raina had a show on conspiracy theories, hegemonic privilege with Alfred and Carl, boycotts, rallies, and protests by Vita and Emmeline. This uh, Friday we have other religions with uh, Emin Evil, and on Sunday we have uh, white on white crime, which again is going to be a pretty phenomenal topic. I'm actually very, 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 very much excited for it. And our special guest is Don Lemon. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That was actually very believable for like a split second. Um, Our next show will be in two weeks. Um, It's going to be... It's going to be kind of an open show, but more details will come on that later. In the meantime, thanks for listening, and peace out. Okay. Okay. So I I was going to say that rap music is not the fundamental problem. Um, You know, rap music is problematic like a lot of other artistic genres, you know? Right. It's just, it just happens to contain, you know, certain vices because there are certain vices present in our society. Right. I was going to say, Michael, Michael Skolnick, who was, on, who, um, who was part of the panel um, who responded to Don, which um, he, he said the same thing. He was like, rap is a, like rap music, all of that stuff is a reflection of the society. They're not right. just rapping about it for the sake of rapping about it. That, that's a lot of people's realities. Right. And it's, and I mean, it's, a, it's a reflection say, of what they're going through. Right. And not to say that rap doesn't perpetuate certain things. You know what I right. mean? Like, you know, in in um you know, the book I was telling you about, Marcus, um, Looking for Leroy by Mark Anthony Neal, he talks about, you know, hip hop and, and sort of the interesting way in which um masculinity is constructed in hip hop and he um one of the more interesting um, comparisons or, or, or things that he brings up is um, about sort of the life and career of Luther Vandross. So Luther Vandross, you know, he came out, he came out in like the eighties and of course like eight, the eighties is like, you know, well the late seventies and eighties is like when hip hop or rap music became, you know, big. right. Yeah. Um, and because of of where it came from, it really kind of there was there was this one camp that in the seventies that was sort of like the disco rap, you know, sort of fun rap. I, know, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm just talking about there were a couple of characters, you know, in, their, in okay. the late seventies, early eighties, who were like fun rap and like disco rap. But uh-huh. ve- but but very soon after that came sort of the very hardcore you know, sort of masculine, you know, hip-hop yeah. identity that was represented by, like, people like... Hold on one second. Like N.W.A.? Um, that and was represented Snoop. by people like um, Run DMC. N.W.A., Snoop, yeah. a lot of the West Coast, Biggie, well, you know, I was as far as the East Coast. 
I was talking about earlier than that, actually. But you know, oh, like well, that, well, you could definitely say NWA. They were '91. Well, yeah, I, I know, I know NWA, but I was saying like Run DMC and oh, you know, oh, well, oh, and like Melly Mel and uh, okay, yeah, yeah, like all like all of those types. Like they 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 kind of started sort of the trend from like you know dressing up in like you know party clothes and doing your own thing to kind of yeah. a more you know standard model of masculinity and rap, right? Right. So, so like, Luther Vandross came up around that time along with, you know, Prince and some other people. And so, like, in the book, um, Mark Anthony Neal talks about how KRS-One sort of, sort of kind of attacks, like, not Luther Vandross directly, but, like, people like him for being soft. Right. Are there any real men in hip hop or a real men in R and B anymore? Talking about how, you know, all the men were wearing like eyeliner, eyeliner, and all that type of stuff, you know, and um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's that sort of homophobic, you know, heteronormative, you know, um, sort of culture that cer- certain artists perpetuate that makes rap pop. You know what I mean? Or some rap toxic, but uh-huh. it's not—it's not any more toxic than, you know, a lot of rap, rock music or a lot of country music. You know. Right. Right. But it was a black art form. And, right. You know, traditionally here, before it gets accepted, it gets demonized and it gets unfairly scrutinized and criticized. Which I mean, it's not to say that some of the criticisms weren't valid. Right. You know, some of them were very valid. However, it's uh, it's really unfair to hip hop in particular when you point it out, but don't point out, you know, as far as the '80s, some of the big hair, um, some of the big hair like glam rock bands that were going on, and some of the the the, the metal bands that they had, which which all had, you know, lyrics that were violent or you know overly sexual or, you know, upholding, um, um, you know, certain tenets of masculinity. Mm. But they don't talk about that. It was just about yeah. hip-hop in particular. But, but I, think, I think primarily, though, I mean, you have to think about, in some contexts, like, there's a lack of, I mean, not now, but for a very long time. And, well, even now, to a certain degree, there is still... A lack of variety, you know what I mean, and how a lot of rappers perform their masculinity or how they perform their identities. You yeah. know, um, most a lot of the rappers, particularly the power, the you know the popular ones, are named for gangsters. You know what I mean? Are named for you know people who are known to have been violent or to have been yeah. involved heavily in criminal behavior. You know what I mean? So there, there right. is a – I understand what you're saying, and I agree with you to a certain point that hip-hop gets sort of an unfair amount of criticism. Um, but I do think that there is an element um, within rap and hip-hop that – kind of that kind of you know bring it on you know bring that sort of criti- critical eye more to hip hop than you know it should than no, otherwise no, no. I, it, I think I, I, no no I agree with that 110% yeah 
I mean, obviously, you know, your people like Rick Ross and, um, you know, others are not, you know, the sole representations in hip hop, but they, they certainly are the more visible ones. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, and that's why, like, you know, people like, you know, even still, like, people like Kanye West, who is, you know, arguably one of the more successful, you know, most successful rappers out there right now. You know what I mean? He is, he still gets a, a lot of criticism from with from his own peers or from people who should be, you know, considering themselves his peers, um, you know, for not representing himself hard enough. You right. know what I mean? And, and, and you know what the funny, the funny thing is, that that is actually what's made him kind of adapt a harder persona. Like if you compare Kanye now versus college dropout Kanye, college mm-hmm. dropout Kanye specifically, and I don't want to detract too too far off, but college dropout Kanye, he wasn't really out there trying to flex like you know he'll do this and do that, you know wear my damn croissants and and all of that mess, you know he was. <laughs> He was, you know, he was just himself. Like he, he, he was open. Like he ran with the the college dropout gimmick, and you know, he he was perfectly okay. And I kind of feel like that was that that was that was the part of his appeal, and part of the appeal why why so many people flocked to people like him and and Lupe Fiasco in the early two thousands was because the image that they presented wasn't any of black men who were over trying to be overly hard. You know, they weren't really trying to be like, yeah, you know, I'm, you know, you can't fuck with me, blah, 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 blah. But well, yeah, nowadays, and then, I... and then just let me finish okay, this. Sorry. Like, um, and if you compare that Kanye with now, or at least Kanye that's been out, let's say, like the last couple years, Kanye the last couple years seems like he's trying to adapt more to that, as if he's trying to, get a bit more and he even mentions that he even mentions that on i want to say the forever track when he he specifically points out when you said you know he that people um say that they were down with the old him but now they wasn't and that's why he had to get hard why that's why he's adopted this harder persona Mm. well i mean i think i think also when you think about his harder persona though I think his harder persona has kind of, you know, kind of, has kind of evolved the way uh, that Jay-Z sort of has had to kind of come, like, when he came back, you know what I mean? Like, he had to, like, ta- like deal with some of his detractors, you know yeah. what I mean? And so, you know, there's, he sort of straddles the fence, you know what I mean? Like, he yeah. has to represent himself hard enough, you know what I mean, to stay relevant you know, in in the hood and in and in white suburbia, where you know they like they like their their rappers to feel authentic. You know what I mean? Right. So, but that, you know, I, I, probably a better example to use better than Kanye probably would be Drake, just because you know Drake is essentially a walking punchline. As if you're talking about masculinity and hip hop. Well, I would say I was. Uh, yeah, and and you know, I guess equally, you know, J Cole would be another one, but Again, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's 
it, it's it's one of those things. But even Drake, you know, kind of pulls that, uh, you know, pulls that well, persona he's a, out. He started to he started to yeah. adopt a harder persona too. Like it wasn't, but what two? I think two, three years ago, when he openly said, like, I'm, you know, I'm not about diss records. I'm not about to do that. You know, I don't really care about that. And then sure enough, the very the second single off his album that comes out in two months um, is a track where, you know, he he makes a gun reference. He makes a gun reference that which is something he's never done before. Um, and he he responds and he responds back to to someone who dissed him. Right. Well, and it seems like, like it seems like. And actually, um, okay. I'm sorry. I just I was wanted say, to say, and um, just wanted to make this last point before you continue. Okay. He actually says it on wax. Um, oh. He actually says it on the on the um, the song "Lord Knows," where he says, um, "Damn," he said. He's uh, okay. You can go ahead. It's going to come back to me, I guarantee you. I can't think of what it is right now. I was right just going to say that, I was just going to say, it seems like um, the, it seems like, you know, when you read, like, people like Kanye and, and Drake um, in particular, and, and Lupe even, like, that the idea is to sort of create a space in this really sort of hyper-masculine environment and then to, um, and then once you've created a space, in order to stay in that space, and be read as an authentic, as authentic as a rapper, you have to adopt the more the harder persona to a certain extent, right? In order for yeah, you that's, to that's, stay that's, there. That's exactly where what brag rap is built off of at this yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's what is built off in hip hop in particular, yeah. and I, I kind of attribute I kind of attribute that um, I, I kind of attribute that to rap being somewhat of a I guess a safe space for for black men to actually flex and showcase their masculinity. So that's what they're doing. They, um, they're, this is this is how they this is how they've chosen to express to express themselves. I mean, I think I think that's I think that's uh, I think that's true in a in a sense, but I think that it goes a, a little bit deeper than that. And um, and I think it, I think that's why you would appreciate this book, Marcus. Um, but I don't want to. I don't want to talk solely about that book because we are planning on doing an actual discussion True. on it. Oh, but, I found um, the song. I found the lyric too. He says, "I'm hearing all of the jokes. I know that they're trying to push me. I know that showing emotion don't ever mean that I'm a, don't ever mean I'm a pussy. Know that I don't make music for niggas who don't get pussy. So those are the ones that count on to diss me or overlook me." Wow. Well, there you go. Um, so even 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 he, so even he got to a point where he had to, or he, he felt like he had to um, respond to, right, uh, to so, all the shots so, that everyone was taking though, at his masculinity. But isn't it interesting though that <laughs> that while he's acknowledging that these men are attacking his masculinity, that he he go he goes on on to attack their masculinity and to call them pussies. Oh, yep. <laughs> rap! You're so problematic sometimes, but yep. Yep. oh well. We can't have it yep. all, can we? Nope. 
It's actually funny because I actually quoted I actually quoted that on Facebook, and I remember Grip called me out for because um, he he was like he was like makes feminist Facebook status follows it up with sexist Facebook status. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're we're all human. Yeah, I just like the song, even if it is a problem. I certainly, I certainly think that you have uh, less further, less far to. Uh, you're closer than Drake is. Most definitely. <laughs> I, I think you're closer to, to to your destination than Drake is, but um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. I'm gonna check out. I'm gonna check out that um, that book for sure. Yeah, I recommend. I did want to. Damn, I did wanted to get your opinion on something that I mentioned. Oh, something that I, I came across uh, earlier. So you, you know who the Dream Defenders are, right? Um. Yes, they're they're that group out of uh, they're out of Florida. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, I, I know who yeah. they are. Okay. Which Macaulay? I wanted to see what you thought, because um, Dream Hampton kind of called them out earlier. Because mm-hmm. um, apparent, I guess Rick Ross in a song says something about says something about Trayvon Martin, or he meant, or he has like, or he's featured in a song about it, or whatever. Oh, and the Dream Defenders like reached out to him reached out to him and was like, hey, we understand your pain, you know, come work with us and let's try to make a difference. And Dream was just kind of like, but what about this? And then points out, uh, not not Dream, um, what's the, the lady who, she's like the, she's like the current CEO of Ebony Magazine, like Jamila um. something. I can't think of her name right now, but I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, so she called whatever. Them, she called them out about. Did she call them out about the um, about the rape lyric? Yeah, about them, you know, basically agreeing to to work with him, be work with him because of that, and because of the other problematic, the Trayvon lyric. And he was okay. like, he was okay, like here's hoodie my, here's on my like. Issue. Here's, here's my issue. Said. Here's my what? issue with that. Okay. I had an issue with with Rick Ross and that rape lyric. I did. You know what I mean? There's no excuse for writing something like that and then trying to claim ignorance later. You know what I mean? You're you're an intelligent man. You know what rape is. A five year old can tell you what rape is. You know what I mean? The uh, so you know that that aside. That does not mean that he can't do meaningful work on behalf of social justice. You know what I mean? If he wants to lend his voice, a visible voice, to the struggle for social justice concerning what happened with Trayvon Martin, trying to make sure that our children are safe to walk the streets, I don't have a problem with Rick Ross being one of the number. I really don't. Now, if we're doing a take back the night rally and talking about, you know, uh, sexual, you know, uh, you know, sexual abuse and sexual violence, well, yeah, he should probably stay his ass home, you know. Right. And, um, I agree. You know, and I mean, it's it, it's 
just I just don't think that we can exclude people for those days. It's not like he ra- like we have evidence that Rick Ross raped someone. You know what I mean? It's True. not that we have evidence that he's killed anyone. You know what I mean? It's it's not yep. like it's not like the Dream Defenders invited George Zimmerman. You know, right. <laughs> there. You know, it's. I, I just think sometimes we have to, um, we have to pick and choose our battles to a certain degree. Like he's, like I said, he's not my favorite. Would I have made the invitation? Me personally, no. But am I mad that they invited him? I don't know, and I haven't heard the lyrics either, so. I, I'm guessing that the, the lyric. The lyric well, one of the one of the lyrics that I that someone pointed out earlier was he said in the song. He said, um, "Got my hoodie on like Trayvon Martin. Them George, all them George Zimmermans don't want it." Mm-hmm. Basically, in a nutshell, it's like what he said. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard about. I, I don't know about the song about the other song okay, that, I mean, that he has. I mean. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm really confused on why they invited him to the rally now. Cause right, I, that's I what I mean. Huh? Yeah, that's what I mean. I was like, I didn't understand. Yeah. Okay, now, now I'm a little more. Yeah, now I'm really confused. Um, I mean, you know, it's their prerogative to invite him there. Um, right. If if he if he has the right politics and he has, um the will to to assist them in their in their efforts then why not you know what i mean it's it's not like it's not like he wrote it's not like it's little wayne you know who's talked about emmett till you know showing up to a trayvon rally like even then i'd be like okay well you can you know you can be there but like you know it's still it's still suspect you know what i mean yeah. Okay. Now I want to get I want to get your opinion on on one other thing. I mentioned this earlier in the show, and Kim Kim uh, chimed in via the chat. Um, and basically, I, I I had a segment earlier where I talked about the whole Jay Z Harry Belafonte beef that's been going on. I in the really news. wasn't following that, to be honest with you. Like I saw that, and I was like, this is so ridiculous. And I just clicked the next story, like. And, okay, I'll give you, I can give you like a ten second rundown. In a okay. nutshell, Harry Belafonte was basically saying that artists nowadays don't use their social responsibility, um, and then specifically cites Jay Z and Beyonce saying that they could they can do more. And then Jay Z came back at Harry on um, on the song Nickels and Dimes, where he basically he basically said, you know. You don't know what I do for the home. You know, you can't tell me what I do. You know, you can't tell me how I help the community. And then Harry responded back. And on a certain level, he has a point. I mean, I mean, it's just you know. Also, you have to understand that Harry Belafonte in his day, like you know, it's. And I mean, and and I know he was like the Jay Z of his day to a degree. Right, but I was going to say, like, to a certain degree, like, what choice did Harry Belafonte have in his time? You know what I mean? Right. right. You know, he he was a a star in an era where people had to sit in segregated movie theaters. You know what I mean? 
Right. How is he not going to speak up about those sorts of things? Not to say that Jay-Z does not have any form of social responsibility, but he is right to a certain degree. You cannot determine for somebody else what their level of of activism is going to be. You know right. what I mean? And, right. Um, and, and, and that was the point I made earlier because then I brought, like, I brought up some stats. You know, I looked up Jay-Z's foundation and looked up some of the stuff. You know, right. some it's of the information like on their foundation and what they mm-hmm. and what they do and like like Jay Z definitely contributes and, and Dream Hampton was on the Tom Joyner morning show this morning and actually spoke and, and actually spoke about that. Like Roland Martin, who I can't stand <laughs> um, <laughs> was interviewing her and they were they were basically going back and forth on it because, you know, Roland basically threw his cape on for Harry and Dream just got invited on because, you know, she didn't um so i mean uh, look do i wish that there were more that there were more of our you know actors and actresses and um people in in prominent positions doing that kind of work absolutely you know what i mean and i think that and i think that some of them have been mobilized you know particularly recently around what happening happened with trayvon martin i mean sometimes it takes it takes something like this to get people, you know, woken up, you know, to, I agree. to what's going on. And so, I mean, and, and, and just, and, you know, and I mean, I think I remember um, listening to Melissa Harris Perry and she was saying that, you know, it's, I, you know, that um, Beyonce and Jay-Z got their wigs snatched and that it was a good thing because they ended up going to the, to the rally in New York. Um, I mean, ultimately, ultimately I think, I think the, the thing is, they, reason why they showed had already up, spoken about that before. But anyway, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I was well. I mean, they speaking about it is one thing. You know what I mean? But we don't know. We don't know. But I think I think probably one of the reasons that they showed up, you know, at at the rally probably had a little something to do with them getting called out. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's it's one of those things. You know, it's yeah. on the one hand you agree with with Harry Belafonte, you want more people like Beyonce and Jay Z to come out. On the other hand, you can't determine how they do things. Just like when when Oprah opened up her school in in Africa for girls, people were asking, "Well, why hasn't she opened one here in the states?" You know what I mean? Well, right. it's Oprah's money, and Oprah can use it in whatever way Oprah wants to use it. You know, right. and spend all of the money that she gives away to charity and all of the things that she does. I don't really think that like you can expect her to do everything. You know, with all the money that right. Bill Gates gives away, he cannot do everything. You know, you can never right. be all things to everybody. Uh, which is that was one of the points that I made earlier. Yeah. I, I, I was saying all this because I wanted to, I wanted to ask if you like how you felt specifically about the point where she said uh, she mentioned that you know while that uh, she she actually said that Jay Z was more of the Sidney Poitier of this generation. He was a check writer. He 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 he's not he wasn't. He's not Jay Z because Jay Z's a capitalist. He's gonna he's a check writer. She's he's not someone that she's really all that interested in hearing him speak about politics. I mean, 
on a, on a, on the one hand, I mean, you know, Jay Z is is not the first person I want to hear talking about politics. You know what I mean? That's right. not to say that he has nothing valid or credible to say. Um, there are just some people who are, you know, better at, at speaking on that topic. But if if Jay Z wants to use his checkbook, you know, to um, as as his means of activism, then you know what? Just let him. You know, right? I mean, not everybody needs to be out front. You know, somebody right. and, has and, to and, has to write the and, check. Uh, right, and I was gonna say that was the, that was that was one of the other points that she brought up, which is that people seem to have this idea as far as the civil rights movement, like every like as if everyone was out there linked arms with Dr. King on the front lines, and that's not the right. case. Right. But there were a lot of folks who did lots of work behind the scenes, lots of women who did work behind the scenes who, you know, whose names don't get mentioned and surely, surely don't get to the, um, the, the, um, attention and the credit that they deserved for what they did to make a lot of the stuff that the, that the men were on the front lines for possible. And, and not just that, but it's not just that those women, you know, just decided to work dutifully behind the scenes. In a lot of cases, they were forced to work behind the scenes. They had to, they didn't really have a choice. They had to work. Because there was no option for women for women to be in positions of power within these organizations, and even yep. even even in the I mean, as much as we idealize, you know, Martin Luther King, he himself had some 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 sexist views yep. on women in leadership. So we have to keep that in mind. So. Yep, that's that's that is exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's part of the reason why right. I think, you know, when we hear about Rosa Parks, we are made to think that she was a secretary, as in getting people's coffee and, um, you know, taking notes, um, when she was actually a secretary in the sense of, you know, an organ- or organizational secretary with more right. responsibility than that. But... Are, but but we have a very sexist read on history, so we we read her as the coffee and donut bringer. Right. All she did was go with a little skirt, went up, get the hot coffee. And also, fresh why donut, you don't hear about any of paper. her? Right. And also, why you don't hear about any of her activist activities before, um, you know, the uh, Montgomery bus boycott. True. I also, I also kind of aligned some of that up with, uh, <laughs> with uh, a lot of these schools not really wanting to go in depth when it comes to black historical figures. Yeah, I mean, you know? well, that's that's certainly that's certainly part of it, but I think the main but, part of it yeah. is that we have a very sexist read on history that excludes the fact that you know that Women were Rosa involved. Parks was a very radical activist, you know, before she decided to you know, to make her stand on the bus, you know? So. Agreed, 110%. But, yeah. Anywho, uh, thank you so much for having me. You're not welcome. Just kidding. Okay, I you should know be what? I need to thank you for calling in. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I can do I mean, when I can do it. Wait, what? I said I do what I can do when I can do it. See, that's, that just goes to show. You come in when I need the help. I came in when you needed the help. It works. Yeah, that's oh, right. And 
and uh, I definitely bigged up your show. And I forgot to mention earlier, I mean, hell, if anyone at this point is listening is still listening in, they, they, you know, I guess I owe them, like, lunch or something because, you know, this is like three hours, almost three hours of show, and they've been tuned in. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I meant to say <laughs> uh, I get them a drink on me or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I meant to say earlier that I wanted to – that a good like a good little um another show to listen to before this one would have been the show that you did on Ratchet. Oh yeah. Yeah. That definitely ties into Oh we'll black be doing black shaming and then oh, we'll be doing more. Yeah, and then this uh, like this kind of kind of loosely ties into what Kim will be talking about on Sunday. I don't think it loosely has, ties in at all. I think it directly ties in, to be honest. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. You know. There, there, there you go. There, there you have it. I and mean, Kim's, we're, we're, I can't wait know, for Kim's show. I, oh, I can't wait either. I mean, you know, it's it's time. I mean, it's really time that white people get it together. I mean, right. geez. Just a, just a side note. Did you, did you read about how um, that story was plagiarized? The one that on Chris Hayes, the dude that was on Chris Hayes. Oh um, no, I didn't. I didn't see that. Maybe we'll talk about that offline because I didn't hear about that at all. But um, yeah, I'll, I, I'll send really, you. A, really I'll send you a link going. to the the Storyfy because okay. uh, Trudy um, posted it. She posted the Storyfy with all the information and with all the the tweets and whatnot mm, in the Tumblr. I'll so, all right. Yeah. Well, yeah. in any case. Yeah, um, yeah, it's time white people get it together. I mean, all of this white on white crime is just ridiculous. But it is, yeah. I mean, it, it's 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 just insane. Um, you know, maybe it's we should absolutely. maybe we should think about you know this, this these gun control policies. I mean, all of these dangerous white people around with guns, terrible. You know, you know. Maybe so. hey, maybe if they stop littering and sagging, you know, maybe they can fix that. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe if they stop having ba- unwed babies and going on MTV to showcase it, you know, they can fix they can fix all this crime. You know, maybe, maybe I don't know. Hopefully, you know, maybe. we all know we, we all know that they're in, you know they they're they're they have animal tendencies. You know, they don't know how to act. I'm telling you, know, you. especially with their especially with their super their super terrible names like. Ashley and Sean and Belly Sue. Oh jeez, Belly Sue though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm getting off the phone. Goodbye. <laughs> Take care, Marcus. Bye. Bye. <laughs> uh, that was pretty phenomenal. All right, uh, thanks to everyone for listening in. Um, if you're still listening. Um, special shout out to you. Um, I had a phenomenal, phenomenal show. Tune in in two weeks where we'll be, um, I'll be doing a show, um, where I, I basically want to, I want to hear your stories. I want to hear you guys, you know, tell, tell, you know, tell the world about how you came into your not belief. So make sure you tune in two weeks from now. And, uh, thanks for listening. It's MC Brooks on the Breakbeat. Peace.